You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How do you think you've turned a corner? Hell no. Dan Feldman here. Welcome to Locked On Pistons. You can follow Locked On Pistons on Audio Boom or subscribe on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Feldman NBA. I just love that quote at the beginning from Stan Van Gundy. Do you think you've turned the corner? Hell no. Stan Van Gundy sounds like a man out of answers. He shouldn't be. There are some solutions available. But after the 97-83 loss to the Jazz last night, the Pistons are kind of in a rough spot. They're now tied for eighth in the East with the red-hot heat. The Bucks beat the Clippers last night past the Pistons in the standings. There is a little good news as far as the Pistons are concerned, though. Dwayne Wade is out for the rest of the season for the Bulls. Chicago's only one game back. Seems like that's going to put a damper on the Bulls' hopes. The Bulls are excellent with Jimmy Butler on the court. Very bad when he's off the court, and that's with Dwayne Wade propping up a lot of bench units. I think it's going to get a lot harder for Chicago now. And then lower in the standings, you've got the Hornets, who are who are four games back of the Pistons and Heat. It would take a lot for the Hornets to get back in this. So I think it's going to come down to Pistons, Heat, and Bucks for those final two playoff spots. Right now, Milwaukee has a half-game edge on on the Pistons and the Heat. Uh, but Miami has been playing very well lately. Very well. That's going to be tough for Detroit. And I don't think the Pistons are feeling so confident right now. They just got blasted by the Cavs. And though the final score doesn't look so bad, they really got outplayed by the Jazz. First of all, you got to give a lot of credit to the Jazz. And Stan Van Gundy did. He did a lot of questioning of his own team. But he made a point to credit the Jazz. And I think it's well-deserved. The Jazz's defense is awesome. It reminds me in a lot of ways of those go-into-work Pistons defenses, the early ones, when they had Rick Carlisle, when they had Larry Brown. Early in the game, it looked like the Jazz knew every single Pistons play. Every action the Pistons ran, the Jazz were right there. They knew it was coming, and they have the defenders to handle it. Defense is part knowledge, part effort, part talent. The Jazz have all the ingredients. Remember when the Pistons held opponents to under 70 points in several straight games. It was a pretty big streak around here. The Jazz remind me of that. Their ability just to smother teams. And you have Rudy Gobert as an awesome rim protector covering up for everything else. He allows players to be aggressive in front of him. And they are aggressive. They make the most of it. The Pistons were really bottled up. Uh, Per ESPN, the Pistons' offensive rating was just 90.4. I mean, that's pathetic. That's way worse than the league worst rate. The Pistons were, were just completely overmatched on the offensive end. And though the Jazz scored fine, nothing special, they didn't need to. I think they could have uh, brought out some more tricks offensively if they needed to. And, and it's not like they didn't bring out any. Rudy Gobert is throwing passes between his legs. But they didn't get too fancy offensively because they didn't need to because their defense gave them so much margin for error. And that left Stan Van Gundy asking a lot of questions about his own team. This, like the other quotes in this show from Van Gundy, is via Fox Sports Detroit. Every time we play a couple good games, we you, you almost know, you can count on it, we're going to come right back down and play poorly. And that's, that's what we did tonight. We brought no energy. And the only thing I ask him in there is, we've had six guys start since the All-Star break. Four of them have started every game. And we've gotten off to one good start. One. So... You know, what is it? Why are you a step and a half slow at the start of every game? Um, I don't know the answer to that. Van Gundy is right. The Pistons tend to start slow, and that is a problem. 
is that personnel? Is that effort? Is that their game plan? It's really tough to say from the outside. I don't know if Van Gundy's done enough experimenting, uh, but I can't say that for certain because a lot of that experimenting should be with routine. How does the team prepare for games? Is there something they can do differently? Earlier in the year, we talked about how Van Gundy went to Reggie Jackson and said, we need more effort from you coming out of the halftime break. So Reggie Jackson changed his halftime routine. Neither side would really say what they did differently, but Jackson did something differently, and his effort to start the third quarters was better in the aftermath. Is there something Van Gundy and the players can do differently in pregame? That's something they need to address. They can't just keep complaining about this. They need to take steps. Maybe they are taking these steps. They have not found the solution, though. Last night against the Jazz in particular, though, you want to talk about why the Pistons got off to a, a slow start. A factor was the Pistons started John Luehr. Tobias Harris had moved into the starting lineup for John Luehr back into the starting lineup, that is. Tobias had gone to the bench for a while, comes back in the starting lineup. Things go pretty well. The offense clicks a little more. Tobias Harris just provides a little more offensive punch. Well, against the Jazz, the Pistons went back to John Luehr. Kind of a strange decision that didn't really work out well. Why? Well, we got sort of mixed up on that. We, we went because they'd been starting Diaw, so we were going to try to match up. And then I'd already told him he was starting, so probably ended up being a mistake just because of the matchups and stuff. Van Gundy admitted that was a mistake, but when you've heard him in the past admit mistakes, point the finger at himself for things that have gone wrong, he's been a little bit more overt about it, a little more willing to uh, go on about what he did wrong. This was kind of a dismissive, yeah, I made a mistake, but whatever uh, type of statement. And that's, that's a little surprising from him. I think this was a factor in the game uh, getting out of hand early. The Pistons fought back a little bit, but I think they also gave up a little bit when they got down early. Uh, at least some of the, the top players, and we'll get more into that in a couple minutes. But if you're Van Gundy, don't you want to point the finger a little bit more at yourself for this? This was a a fairly egregious mistake. Boris Diaw started the Jazz's previous game. He didn't start any of the, the three before that, and that's with Utah sort of changing around lineups because Derek Favors had been hurt. So obviously when Favors is healthy, he didn't play against the Pistons, but when he's healthy, he's going to start. He's going to be the starting power forward. But in these few games that he's been out, only one of them, Boris Diaw, has been the starter. That seems like uh, too much of an assumption by Van Gundy that Diaw was going to start again. And it had something to do with it. The, the Jazz started Joe Johnson, more of a, a versatile combo forward. He was the guy playing power forward. And the Pistons would have been better off with Tobias Harris and Marcus Morris at forward. That's a better matchup for Detroit to go against Joe Johnson and Gordon Hayward. To put John Luehr in there, it put the Pistons in a tough spot. And, and I think Van Gundy, yes, he owned it in the strictest sense, but given what we're accustomed to from him, I think he needs to own that one a little more. Of course, Van Gundy isn't going to be responsible for everything that goes wrong with this team, nor should he be. We can put some of the blame for how things have been going uh, against the Cavs, against the Jazz, uh, and even at a larger scale when things have gone south this season, on our favorite target, of course, Reggie Jackson, but also Andre Drummond. Reggie Jackson played fewer than three minutes in the second half. Andre Drummond played fewer than seven in the second half. What was going on there? I mean, I went away from Reggie early in the second half. He was absolutely exhausted two and a half minutes in. I mean, dead tired, like couldn't catch his breath. So that's why I took him out so soon. 
Um, Andre played, I don't know, seven minutes or so, which is pretty normal. But then, you know, Baines just played a lot better. You know, a lot more energy and played a lot better. Um, yeah, I mean, because, I mean, I, I just didn't think Andre didn't have it. He wasn't bringing us anything. I didn't, I didn't see anything tonight. I didn't see any energy. I didn't see anything. I don't know, tired, whatever. I, I just didn't see it. I wasn't mad at him. I just didn't see it. You know, I was trying to go with guys who I thought would bring some energy, you know, at that point because we weren't playing well. I just wanted to at least play hard, and, um, and that group did, so, uh, so I stuck with them. Reggie Jackson's level of conditioning has been a problem far too often. It's not always a problem, but it pops up here and there, and he just can't go. He just runs out of gas, and I, I don't know if there's something he can do more. You know, maybe this is just the limits he can push his body to. I don't know that's the case. Maybe he can work a little harder on conditioning. Maybe this is just what it is. Maybe this is just something the Pistons are going to have to deal with. The fact that Reggie Jackson, on some nights, gets overly fatigued. It happened in his very first game in Detroit. We chalked that up to nerves and excitement and all of those things. But it's happened again since then, where he just can't go. And it's tough to build a team around a point guard who has that issue. Whether it's Reggie Jackson's fault or not, whether this is just the, the limits of his body or a shortcoming in, in how he trains. This is a tough thing to build around. I don't know the answer to it. I don't know the answer to it with Andre Drummond either. Drummond's energy is not always there. It was not very good last night overall. I think a lot of this is, look, at the team just got their, their brains bashed in the night before. They were getting beaten soundly last night, and it's not fun to play that way. Sometimes guys pack it in when it, when it gets to that point. That's not great. I'm just trying to understand it. It's not excusable just trying to understand it. Drummond and Jackson need to realize that as the point guard, as the team's best player, they are the ones who set the tone. Their energy is contagious. Their teammates will feed off of that, for better or worse. It's too often something the Pistons have to overcome. They're not relying on those guys to set a tone, to provide energy. They're trying to overcome a lack of energy. You look at the best teams, their stars are their most energetic players when it counts. Obviously very true with Russell Westbrook. Obviously far more true now with James Harden, uh, who, who, when the Rockets were a little more up and down, uh, was prone to lapses, especially defensively. He's doing enough now where he's setting that energetic tone. LeBron James, yeah, he's in a different place. He's earned that. But when it comes into the playoffs, when that team is ready to crank it up and win, which the Pistons are in that mode now, they don't have that margin for error like the Cavs do. When that team in Cleveland is ready to win, LeBron's the most energetic player on the court. It starts there. For the Pistons, it does start with Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson, and it's not the results the Pistons want. All right, last thing I want, I want to get to about something Van Gundy said. Uh, I got a kick out of this. We also need guys, you know, to put the ball in the basket on the first shot they get. You know, I understand sometimes it takes time, but, like, do we ever make our first shot? <laughs> like, is there a rule against making your first shot? I mean, we never, like, just like, get it going. Make the first one. Don't hit the front rim on your first shot. 
All right, I, I had to check this. Do the Pistons miss their first shot more than other teams? Or is that just something that was in Van Gundy's head and, you know, just just he's dwelling on the times they miss their first shot because that aggravates him so much and now he notices all of them? Well, it turns out it does seem pretty real. So I looked up every game from every team since the start of the calendar year. Any game in 2017. But here's the catch. If a team's first shot didn't come within the first two minutes of the game, it doesn't count. It's not counted as a make. It's not counted as a miss. I just didn't have that in the database. To get, to get any deeper in that would have just taken too much time. So some games are, are exempted. But if, but if you don't get your first shot in the first two minutes because you're drawing fouls or turning the ball over or whatever, I don't even know if it should count anyway. Because the whole idea is you come out, how do you shoot when you're first coming out? By that point, you're getting into the flow of the game. Even if you're not getting an official shot, if you're drawing fouls, you're getting up those fake shots after the whistle, you're doing something to get into the flow. So this is a team's first shot within the first two minutes of a game. The Pistons have 31 games on record uh, with this in the calendar year. They are 8 for 31. They are making 26% of their first shots. That sounds pretty lousy. But then again, hey, maybe teams just are generally cold. Maybe teams generally need time to heat up. We often see offensive rating rise throughout the season. Maybe it needs to rise throughout a game also in the same way that teams just need to get a feel. Well, the Pistons in the sample in this calendar year are last in the league on shooting percentage on their first shots. 26% very last in the league. Now, this obviously is not a be-all, end-all. The team with the best shooting percentage on their first shot, the Knicks, who make 60%. The only other teams above 50%, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Celtics, and the Magic. Yeah, a little bit of a mixed bag. The fact that the Knicks are the best should tell you something. The fact that the Lakers and Magic are up among the leaders should tell you something. This doesn't need to be everything. But it gets back to what I've said over and over. The Pistons are a fragile team. They're a fragile team. Everything has to be just right for them. The ball doesn't move enough offensively. Now their defense is going to suffer. They come out and not everything is exactly in their comfort zone. They're going to miss a shot early. They lose a game, they're going to struggle in the next one because they're feeling down about themselves. This is a fragile team, and I think this is yet another example of it. But I'm with Van Gundy. There might be some answers, but there aren't many. I don't know what to do about at this point. I think this team is what it is. We're this deep into the season. I think this team has formed its identity. It's not a great one, but there's enough talent here. There's enough pieces that fit together on the court in terms of skill set that this team can still make the playoffs. The goal now has to be making the playoffs, banding together enough, overcoming enough to make the playoffs. Getting that seven seed would be a very nice goal. Avoid the Cavs in the first round, as we keep harping on, but it's not going to be easy. Raptors come to the Palace tomorrow. We'll have more on that game and, and the weekend and the stretch ahead and a couple other things. Got a couple other things in mind for tomorrow's show. You can follow Locked on Pistons on Audio Boom or subscribe on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Feldman NBA. Thanks for listening.